Good morning. Joining me from somewhere near Harlan, Minnesota, our good friend Al. And Al, it's only a week away, or maybe a day less than that, till Christmas. And I'd like to talk with you about what can you get the bird lover in your life from somebody who knows, which is you. Have you finished your Christmas shopping? I, you know, I have. I, I pretty much did before. You have. I did. And so I'm proud to say that I wanted to get it out of the way so it wasn't last minute. Although a lot of times what I do is wait till after Christmas because then you can get really good sales on a lot of this stuff because they want to clear out their extra inventory. So that's a good time to wait. So a lot of times we will do that. And uh, I have not quite, and uh, which is, you know, as a young married fellow, I used to wait till Christmas Eve, and then I'd be <laughs> out there slogging around with everybody else, and everybody would be grumpy because they couldn't find this particular toy or something, because parents uh, finding toys are the most stressful of uh, all the shoppers, I think. And then I got so, man, I was buying everything in November, and, uh, but this year I... I, I got most of it done but i got a couple things i got to pick up yet so i'm running a little behind but i um i you know it's it's fun if you get it done early like you do it's it's just more cheery and uh, i don't know you have that maybe a little more of the the christmas spirit going on than when you're rushed at the last minute but uh, boy for christmas gift suggestions do i have them you betcha the number one thing for me and probably for a lot of people are books I uh, am an avid book reader, and I probably have three or four of them going now and of various kinds. I read pretty much everything from the back of cereal boxes to to highway signs and billboards. I, I love reading, and in Albert Lee, which is a, a wonderful public library there that has a bookstore called the Fountain Lake Bookstore, and I've been hauling all my books uh, books because I have more books than I have room for so I went down to basements and man I gotta get I, you know it's like letting an old friend down and sorry we just we can't you know hang around together anymore so I put them in those three piles you know how we all do it these I'm definitely getting rid of these I'll probably get rid of and these I doubt I'll get rid of and uh, when you begin with the pile you're going to get rid of is so tall and at the end it's a the pile that you say, I probably won't get rid of these. But I've hauled them all down there, and they sell them for $2 for a hardcover and a dollar for a, a softcover book. And the ones I took down are uh, a once-read, gently-used ones. So if anybody's in the Elberly area and you're looking for something for a bird lover, there's a bunch of books there. Also, backpacks. Oh, I love backpacks. Yeah, it seems like everybody loves backpacks because I'm sure you see people, they've got this. Oh, a guy I saw the other day, he's got like an Armani suit or something. And the, the fella, you know, backpacks. We all love backpacks. I see kids come out of school sometimes. It appears that uh, if they tipped over on their backpack, they probably would not be able to get up again, sort of like a turtle. But <laughs> I see everybody wearing backpacks. If you go to the airport, everybody from a 90-year-old to about a 3-year-old, it seems like, are wearing backpacks. Do you remember when fanny packs were the thing and now they're considered out? So backpacks must be the new fanny pack. I guess. It isn't an incredible how much you can get in. I've I've got a big orange one. I had a Boy Scout one forever and a day. The problem was if it got wet, it just soaked up all the moisture in this 
this orange one I have, a marmot, it's, uh, the water kind of runs off it to the mo- for the most part. And I can get more stuff in there. You know, I can go on uh, uh, on short trips uh, on an airplane with just a backpack. I can roll up clothing, and if I can find a, a place, you know, if I get a few wrinkles, I can hang them up in the shower. And, and I'm a guy. Nobody cares much if my clothes match or if I'm wearing wrinkled stuff. As long as it's clean, that's about the only time uh, a guy will get a lot of crap about his clothing. So, So backpacks. Bird feeders are wonderful. If you know uh, somebody maybe that uh, doesn't uh, get around as well as they used to, sometimes just filling their bird feeders is a wonderful gift for them. Uh, maybe buying some bird seed and putting it in there. Heated bird bath, uh, I think they're wonderful. I'm going to talk a little bit about, more about heated bird baths uh, next week. Uh, binoculars. They're great. Uh, try them out first. Uh, state park passes are those is one of those gifts that they say keeps on giving because it does keep on giving year after year after year. And warm gloves and socks. If anybody, if you've had cold hands and feet, you know how important warm gloves and socks. Man, if you're a knitter and make some of those mm-hmm. things. Then you give that gift, and it has even more importance to somebody. Small notebooks. I can't go out of the house without a small notebook. Box. Have you seen those those notebooks that they have? They're supposedly for gardeners or outdoors people where they're waterproof. So even if they get wet, and they used to have a display in one of our local stores where they had water constantly running on it and the paper never never disintegrated and you could still write on it. I mean, that would be a cool thing. I think they were maybe... 25 bucks. So it was a lot. But I thought, well, what a great way to ha- never have your notes or things you want to write down ever disappear. And I, a lot of folks, uh, I know I sure do. You get these incredible ideas in the shower. Yes. And then two minutes later, <laughs> they're gone. And you say, well, what was I thinking? Uh, I've even got back into the shower and turned the water on, hoping it'll come back. <laughs> a friend of mine has uses those. And do they and work? He's a book author. He says they're the greatest things ever. They are kind of spendy, but, you know, I guess if you get one good idea and if you're in that, uh, well, who isn't in the market for good ideas? We all are. And he says they're just the the, the greatest thing he has is hmm. having that. And he said he's tried it. He let the water, as you mentioned, just pour on it, and he can still write on it and read it. And uh, it's it's amazing. Another nice gift is a membership in a local organization, not necessarily a nature organization. That'd be wonderful. But in a local organization, maybe the historical society or something that that person might be interested in, but has never gone ahead and got that for themselves. And uh, I think those are wonderful gifts. A subscription to a fine newspaper in the area or a subscription to my favorite bird magazine, Bird Watcher's Digest. It's a small one, about the size of a Reader's Digest, so you can easily put it in a, a backpack or a briefcase or something. And they have wonderful stories written by folks from all over all over the country and well, all over Canada, too. So been as a family-owned thing from Marietta, Ohio. Just good people have it. 
Or a snow shovel for that good neighbor as a hint for him to become (laughs) an even better neighbor, and maybe he'll shovel out your drive. I think that's a great gift. I was standing in a line, and the guy uh, right behind me was saying, and we need to get a bigger snow shovel. And I wanted to ask him, did you just move here, or did you get uh, move to a different place where you need a bigger walk? Uh, it just seemed like odd, because we were waiting in line to get candy, just standing there waiting to get candy. And, of course, everybody talks. There are no secrets when somebody talks on their cell phone. True. We just everybody blurts out everything but i thought that was interesting and we need to get a bigger snow shovel i thought yeah that's probably he probably moved up from iowa and is just not (laughs) used to the winters yet but there are so many wonderful gifts out there for uh birders and if you go to your favorite bird store a place that uh offers bird seeds and feeders and those kind of things it's all too easy to find the perfect gift, at least to, to my way of thinking. The difficulty is is limiting the purchases to something affordable because you I, you want this and you want that. And but I I just think you can never have too many books. You can never have too many bird feeders. You can switch them out and move them around. And those notebooks, that shower notebook, just sounds like a, a wonderful thing. And I, I'm sure the price will probably go down on it. I have kept a little notebook in there, and I reach out and try to write on it once in a while. But sooner or later, you get it wet, no matter how careful you are, and the ink runs, and it just doesn't work. So then I end up using a pencil, and it it works. But it if fades. you can write on something, that really It kind of fades nice. when it's wet, too, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Yep. And then then you got a soggy book to carry around. It's never the same after they get soggy, you know. We had a um a flooded basement one year and some books that were on the floor in one of those milk cases. Yeah. Got uh, wet and you know you try to save them. You get the wet backs and then you get the dehumidifiers and everything, but it just, boy, once stuff gets wet like that paper, there's just no saving them, sadly. Yeah, I, that was part of the reason, I guess, where I de- determined that I'd probably uh, eliminate some books, which has been really hard. But uh, I've been doing that, and you, you feel the, the more you do it, I guess, the better I feel about getting rid of them. Getting rid of those first couple get the books and I want to take them down and then they're written by a friend and they've autographed it so then I said well I can't possibly get rid of that one so I take all the ones that I have autographed or friends that have written so I put them away well because I'm going to keep those but the other ones are hard I love Steinbeck and John Hassler and John McPhee I love uh, John Irving a lot of authors named John I guess so uh, I'm keeping those. But uh, it's a time of year where maybe uh, you can find some of those books. There's always somebody that would love to read them. And uh, a lot of the libraries have bookstores. Uh, one in Mankato is a wonderful place also. One of the things we did with our books, because my children read and read and read and read, and our book, our house has become more than a library. I swear we've got more books 
than most libraries do. But my sister works at a Montessori school in Wisconsin, and they don't have very many books. So we had the boys go through all the books, and they have donated many, many of their, their wonderful, wonderful books to that school. So other kids are getting the use out of it. So if you can find something to do like that, I mean, what a great way. We've enjoyed it. And at some point, kids get maybe a little too old for some of those books and other kids are enjoying them. So it's a, a way of giving as well. And that's wonderful. And everybody listening lives uh, within easy distance of some library or or school that will welcome those books. So it's uh, it's pretty easy to find a place to uh, give those books to and they will make somebody so happy. Uh, I said some years ago we went to a country in South America and we're hauling soccer supplies. I don't know anything about soccer. I know they wear shoes and there's a <laughs> ball they kick around. So so we mainly shoes is what we got. And some of them were used. They were used not terribly. They were in good shape. And we took them down there and gave all these kids these piles and piles of shoes. And they were so happy getting those things that uh, we probably would have tended to throw away or recycle and down there they were just they were just so overjoyed to get those simple gifts so yeah everything uh, we're fortunate to um, have so many things and there's somebody that would welcome having the things that we really no longer need and i find out with so many books i think i'll reread that someday and then after about 30 years, you look at that book and you say, you know, I loved that book the first time, but I probably am not going to read it again. Spend all day reading stuff, it seems like. And uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Christopher Burke had seen some robins in Mankato and somebody asked, what would cause a robin to stay here in the winter? Well, they want to spend Christmas with us. This is the thing they don't want. Yeah, that's the way they are. They don't want to leave till Christmas. And, now, the um, the first thing I always used to say is, well, the weather is certainly, but then, you know, sometimes I wonder, because I see them on some of the most miserable winters, I'll see them, but I'm sure weather it has an impact, but I think the main things perhaps are the availability of fruit and open water, so if they can get something to eat and they can have something to drink, they're going to be okay. They're lovely birds. They're tough. I'm sure half of them die every winter, I would guess, because, boy, the winters. Winters and migration both are really hard on them, so you're going to lose a lot of those birds regardless of what they do. So they they hang around, and I haven't seen any in my yard at all, but I've uh, heard from a few folks that are seeing them. So it's always neat to see a robin. They just... A uh, harbinger of spring, probably not so much because they're here in December and January. So uh, probably uh, probably not a true harbinger, but always welcome to see them. They are cousins to um, oh, the eastern bluebird. And I think robins are a beautiful singer. We don't consider them beautiful singers perhaps because we hear them so often. And they're pretty commonplace. So you just go, eh, yeah, I heard that before. And um, it's like on KMSU, you know, all of a sudden you hear these different songs and you say, wow, that is really great. And it's wonderful that KMSU plays some of these things because otherwise we'd just be hearing all the commonplace stuff. And even if we like it, we probably wouldn't pay the amount of attention to it that we should. But it's nice when we hear different artists, different songs. 
And it, you know, it actually stretches our mind, I think, a little bit by hearing different music. It gives us some different things to think about. I've got a question about some Christmas traditions. And my husband says there's a tradition where you put a nest in your tree with a bird's nest in your Christmas tree. And it's supposed to mean something. I don't know if it brings good luck or something, but I know he has one that's, uh, well, it's not a real nest, obviously. It's a, it's a decorated one with little birds in it. Is there some folklore or something that says that, putting some sort of a bird's nest in your Christmas tree will bring you good luck? That's what I heard growing up. There's probably more to it than that, but that's what uh, what I was told. And Actually, I remember going outside and cutting a little nest, last year's nest, that maybe a chipping sparrow had something had made, these tiny little nests that they would not reuse, and bringing them in and putting them in the tree and uh, hoping that it'd bring good luck and all kinds of good things. It just added something to the tree. And I had one of those great moms who just thought that was so neat, bringing something like that in and putting it in a tree. So she didn't have a a conniption fit about anything, so it was nice. The chipping sparrows, you often find their nests, they'll be really low in a, they're real small nests, really low in a tree, and they have blue eggs and they like shrubs or trees, and they're just neat little birds. And again, they will not reuse them, so I I would bring them in. And I think I can attest to the fact that I think it brought good luck every year, every year of my life, just from bringing probably, I don't know how often I did it, two or three times probably. I do have a question about when in the winter, of course, the leaves are gone, so a lot of times you do see nests in trees and around the house, etc., I mean, in general, should you just leave those? Because a lot of times I think, well, they reuse those, or how do you know? Is there a way to tell? Because there, or a lot of times you'll see way up in trees, you'll see the big bunches of leaves together, and I wonder, are those squirrel nests, or, or what are those? So I'm just curious. Yep, the big uh, leafy nests, those will be squirrels. Okay. And they're called drays, ah. D-R-E-Y-S, drays. And they... Uh, the other nests, you see, if they're small ones, there's a pretty good chance they will not be reused. A robin, on a rare occasion, will reuse a nest. Very often they will nest in the same place or close to the same place, but probably not the same nest. Orioles usually will not reuse a nest, but they will use the materials from an old nest to build a new nest if they are still in good enough shape and pliable enough that they can make this. Crows, hawks, those kind of things will reuse their nest. Eagles, of course, keep adding to it. Owls, like great horned owls, they do not build their own nest, so they steal somebody's, a crow or hawk or a great blue heron, and they are terrible renters. They do no upkeep. They just don't care. And pretty soon the whole nest falls into ruin because, well, they're just... You know, folks, if you're a landlord, do not rent a house to a great horned owl family. They're just, uh, they're not good <laughs> at uh, doing anything in there. So for the most part, those small nests are um, are not reused. The winter is too hard on them typically, so they're not in good enough shape to use again. There are some exceptions to that, of course. And I did watch a robin one year reuse a nest, and after it was done using it, a morning dove used the base of the nest, which made a a fine nest for a morning dove because their nests are usually a couple, three sticks 
thrown together there, and they call it a nest. You probably grew up, there were certain jobs that were good enough. There were certain jobs that had to be pretty exacting, and boy, you had to be done this perfect way. And there were other things where you did them where sooner or later somebody would say, well, that's good enough, and uh-huh. away you go. <laughs> that's the way morning doves build their nests. They throw a few sticks down, they look at it and say, oh, that's good enough, and uh, they're done with that. So, there, uh, yeah, there are a lot of squirrel nests that are very visible this time of year, and they're pretty good-sized nests, and very often they are uh, just filled with leaves, covered with leaves, and yet they uh, pack those leaves so well, they mat them together, and they make a great insulative nest. Well, how, for, how do uh, they stay in the tree? Because, I mean, generally a bunch of leaves together would just fall down. So what? I've never actually taken one down to look at it. So, I mean, do they take sticks? Do they make a structure? Or how are they staying there? They're just really good at what they do. They are uh, skilled artisans, and sometimes they will use green leaves mm-hmm. and with maybe a little twig on them. And sometimes I think the leaves, once they get a little moisture on them, too, will just kind of adhere to one another. But they will use green leaves and weave them in there so then when the leaves dry, they will form part of that. But for the most part, it's just a skilled craftsmanship of a squirrel that's able to I'm going to use the word weave. It doesn't necessarily uh, indicate what they're doing, but to weave this mass of leaves together into a great ball nest that they're able to get in and out of and curl around, and I'm sure there's some turning around like a dog before it sleeps. So there is a little bit of wear and tear on them, but they last. It just seems like they last forever. So it, it's incredible. Um, I just always want to tip my hat every time I see one because I can't imagine doing that. Do they ever fall through? You know, if you, it's kind of like having a poorly constructed floor, rotting floor. Have you ever had one fall down from <laughs> above on your head or something? Would that happen? No. Oh, no. okay. I, you know, I'm sure after they're a year old or something, then the leaves begin to rot and everything. So you, either they fix them up or they move on to another one. And they will have more than one nest, oh. uh, especially some of them that will store food. They might move to a nest a little bit closer to their storage area so they have, have easier access to food when the weather's not very good. But they will curl up in there and sleep through a blizzard, so they are wonderful things. I don't see any of these things in furniture stores, no. <laughs> but maybe in a natural furniture store we might have leaf nests. And I, I do want to thank everybody for listening to KMSU and uh, being supportive of KMSU and for you, Karen, and, and Gully, for your fine work. Uh, we tend not to tell people how much we appreciate them, and we should do that more often. I appreciate every listener out there. I hope you have the very best Christmas ever. Happy holidays to everyone and all the other words we use to mean the same thing. We hope you're happy and that we appreciate you. And if you got a little time, I hope you will come to the cafe here where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always the Heimlich Maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. The calendar is moving at a full gallop, folks. Uh, Psalm 90 
verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And the calendar I got from the bank has told me to get cracking on the shopping. (laughs) And inside the store, I listen to the ringtones of marimbas and crickets as I shop for candy. I listen to someone's cell phone torturing a country song as I purchase the candy. And I bought candy for gifts because I know how to buy candy. I gave my father chocolate-covered cherry cordials every Christmas. Ooh, lucky man. And as I mentioned earlier, no one is tight-lipped on a cell phone. The woman ahead of me in line said over her cell phone, I bought some shoes like I always do. I felt a tinge of sadness as I thought of her spending all her days buying shoes. So I purchased some oyster crackers as they make great stocking stuffers. Pete Moeller, I have to mention this, Pete Moeller of Fairmont invited my wife and me to her place for a pine float. Pine float? And that's a toothpick and a, yeah, a <laughs> toothpick and a glass of water. But, nice. <laughs> and we went, that'll teach her, and uh, so she fixed wonderful lasagna. So there was no toothpick and a glass of water. Uh, remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, thanks thanks for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. And again, Merry Christmas. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Alan. You, ha- you and Gail have a Merry Christmas, and we'll be chatting with you again soon. I don't know if it'll be before next year. Otherwise, Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. We're, we're off to, to watch a granddaughter play basketball. She, if she scores seven points, she will be the all-time leading scorer for boys and girls basketball at uh, New Ulm Public. That's amazing. Well, good luck to her, and uh, we will chat with you soon. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Karen. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.